All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dylan and Joe Basement Podcast. We're your hosts, Dylan. And Joe. And today, we're going to dive into current events for the first time since we've been doing this for a couple weeks. We got breaking news here, folks. We couldn't ignore it. Breaking news as of, what, 13 days ago, we believe? A helicopter um, was uh, surveying, what, bighorn sheep, I believe? In the Utah... Yep, their mission was to survey bighorn sheep. Pretty fun job. Um, In a certain uh, San Juan County, Utah, and they came across something shiny, which piqued both Joe's and my interest as to this is a fun story. It's one of those types of stories that you actually don't get that many, that that pop up the news that much. No, Um, when they do, they usually brush under the rug pretty fast. It's not very common that news like this not only garners national attention, but also international attention. People from other countries were hmm. looking closely at this news as it came out, as we'll find out later why it might be more interesting than just the United States. But what we're talking about today is the mysterious monolith found in Utah. It was only found just after Thanksgiving. People were around eating their Thanksgiving dinner, and I had multiple people talking to me about it. Um, the day of getting messages around of hey, here, but the monoliths, they found it. It's in Utah in the middle of the desert. What's it doing out there? And everyone's got all kinds of ideas of what happened to it and uh, why it was there and all these kind of weird things. So we think we'd dive into it today. We'd tell you guys what we've learned about it, what we've learned about other monoliths and uh, the earth and what that could mean for the monolith we found here. And also whatever breaking news we found about what's happening to it and other related things within the weeks of. We're recording this on December 2nd. So all our news is accurate up until December 1st. So if anything comes out since then, we'll be learning alongside with you. We're willing to uh, keep our eyes on this and find out where it goes. Exactly. So let's start off with um, uh, specifically, um, we're going to go into what is a monolith. Um, and the easiest way to figure out what a monolith is, is compared to a megalith. Um, and Joe, I don't know about you, but the, the difference that I learned between the two of them, cause you hear about megaliths and a good example would be the pyramids of Giza, um, mm. and pretty much any pyramid, <laughs> any pyramid across the world. I'd say they all are. Yeah. yeah. They're all, they're all megaliths. Um, so a monolith would be something like the, um, what's it called? The, the arch in St. Louis. Uh, the, is the that, gate the, what, to the West. Is that what it's called? Okay. So the gateway to the West in St. Louis, which is one material, in one piece that span that is that is generally large. Um, in this case, with the megalith in Utah, it's uh, it's twelve feet, twelve feet tall. Monolith, do you mean right? Monolith, monolith in Utah. <laughs> Sorry. Go by it's, definition, go. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, now I'm just confusing everybody when I'm splitting up the names of monolith <laughs> and megalith. Is <laughs> that so, with monolith now? Yep, we're done with the monolith in Utah, which is um, which is made of one material. Um, and spans uh, 12 feet tall in what looks to be two or, uh, between two and three feet uh, in width, and it's a, it's a triangle shape. Yeah, let's start off with with what exactly how this all came to be. So they think it's been there for a couple of years, based off of Google Earth. It's been there since at least 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and Google Earth is great for anything if you want to research basically geography and landmarks throughout the entire world. You can always go back to when the last time a satellite went over. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the, la- the the furthest back you can go is 2016. Sometimes it's like 1999, depending on what information they have there. But for for the middle of nowhere, Utah, which looks like it's four miles from any really modern any road, 
2016 is as far back as they could go. So um, the question well, is that kind of it's not just as far back as they could go, right? They looked within a month, a certain monthly period, and they found that before and after. That's how they could tell it directly when is that, it was. Okay. They had to look into that same site over and over again until it popped up. And unfortunately, they don't take pictures of the same sections every day. So they only had a period of two months between July and October, you know, give or take the weeks in between uh, when there was the most recent picture without the monolith there and then the most recent picture with it there. So they know that at some time in 2016 of that summer into uh, early fall, someone must have placed it there. Of course, there's no footage of the actual placement because we're talking about pictures in between months at a time. But there's clear evidence it wasn't there. And then one day it was. And unfortunately, no one made note of it or noticed it until just recently. So that's the first time people noticed it and said, hey, what's that? Mm -hmm. That's odd. Only on looking back to the past archives of the satellite images were we able to figure out, oh, it's been there for four years and no one noticed that wanted to say anything about it. Do you think the person who did or the person or entity that put it there wanted this to be found, Joe? Uh, almost definitely, because the amount of effort that it takes to move something that large out into such a remote area, like you said, is what, four miles from the closest town? I mean, and it's very, a large structure, like you said, it's, it's tall, it's wide. They think it's made of either stainless steel or aluminum. So even mm -hmm. that it's not as dense as, as a solid steel or iron, it's still a very heavy object. And it's in a mm -hmm. spot that is very difficult to get to. Like you mentioned, it was first noticed by scientists that work for the, uh, the Utah Environmentalist uh, Association. And they're out there studying bighorn sheep in a helicopter. People weren't even hiking out to see this thing. That's how far away it was from where people would usually be going. And so I think whoever put it there definitely wanted it to be found. I don't think that they wanted it, that it to be announced uh, because mm -hmm. it would have been announced much earlier. But four years later, here it is. And I think that whoever put it there did want it to be found eventually, just not right away, maybe. Not sure. I think so too. When I first got news of this, um, <clears throat> I got very excited. And I sort of hint this earlier, but there's only a very select few events like this that really bring a ton of mystery to it or excitement, especially in dark times like COVID. This might have been like nothing exciting at all if we weren't, you know, all borderline quarantine for the most part. Yeah, but this is the fun kind of news where it's a yeah, mystery. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a odd. mystery. Yeah. No one's been, uh, no one's been killed uh, by the object as, we, as yep. far as we can tell. Uh, <laughs> we don't know, but yeah. Well, it's, it's the kind of news where you get where it's more interesting and there's a lot of questions raised rather than the usual news we hear, which is beating you over the head with the things we're already been used to hearing for the past almost year now. So it's, it's a cool kind of news. Exactly. And there's not a lot out there that we that is undiscovered as far as landmarks go. So it's always something more to learn about and to get yeah. excited about. And maybe this is something from another planet or maybe this is something that is or isn't or has been there for 2000 years probably not but you know what i mean um it makes me very excited and the only other times i get excited is when there's like a shuttle launch or spacex puts the tesla into space and you go hey this is unless Science. you're one of those people this is generally exciting news like you're like hey cool this is pretty cool tesla's putting uh you know whatever the, the roadsters what they call it in space yeah. and i can't really find anything wrong with that i think that's cool you know it's always bummed me out or space trash or whatever yeah, but yeah, some people who are like they hear stories like that and uh, news about different kind of uh, exploration and different ways we're going to be exploring space and being sending things up there and people who go uh, what's what's why why why'd you do that what a waste of money we have problems here like what's the point 
and going through all that just to shoot it in outer space. Nothing up there for us to just deal with this now and here. And I, I hear their point on like a basic level, but it always bumped out to things like, you don't think that we should you should keep striving? I mean, we're, we're a whole of humanity. We should keep reaching for the stars. How much we found out since we started trying to get to outer space is immeasurable. And most of our technology in the past 40 years has been um, filtered through that system and trying to push the boundaries of what we use now. Obviously, famously, things like, you know, satellite communications between phones and uh, all, all types of new media we have are all directly linked to our you know, space race and that kind of thing. So I'm glad when I hear news like that, it's always exciting Think about going to Mars and things like that. Yeah. It, kind of someone's trying to do it, whether it's a private company like SpaceX or if it's NASA or if it's the Indian space program, I'm all about it. I want to hear more about it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So this fits the same category where it brings up upon like what could possibly be the downside of this and this this to me just seems like it's positive news um and and again we just don't know enough about it at this point so we started getting um the, we, the first pictures we had were of the helicopter pilots and their crew taking mm -hmm. a look at this thing and, and there wasn't a whole lot to see there at that point it was like wow there's a really shiny um and i think that i think that it's come out that it was stainless steel um mm -hmm. 12 foot object in the middle of the desert kind of in this like uh between uh, in, a, in a landscape that is, is significantly taller, but is in a, a lower spot where it's completely yeah, dry. There's no around. Yeah. But it's all dried out in the, the yeah. actually center of it. So you'd have to climb down into that section in order to get yeah. to it easily. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I have it here that they posted the picture on November 23rd, which is they're assuming is when they did the uh, initial flyover to get the picture there. Mm -hmm. And that's what started people buzzing all around it actually started getting people want to want to go out there and find the spot which they didn't initially mark for the public because it's kind of a dangerous area to get to they didn't mm -hmm. want to encourage tons of people going out there but it's on the internet and what does the internet do best what do people do best they get curious and plenty of people went out there and found it anyways and they started posting exactly the location of it so that started a rally of multiple people going out to actually try to find this object and whether taking pictures of it themselves or bringing a drone out there and taking photos of it mm -hmm. um just to try to figure out what this is or just an interesting trip to a, a weird object that's in the middle of the desert in Utah. Yeah, it's cool the way they found it because I was like, how are they going to find this if a helicopter had to get that far out there? And you both you and I have been to that part right. of the country and it's mm -hmm. when you're out there, it's it's very out there. Um, so you I have this app. wandering around looking for it. You're not going to find it that way. Uh, you want to know where you're going. Exactly. So idea. yeah, and especially if it's miles from a road, like really good luck with that. Um, so, um, what, what people did is they, uh, I actually have this app called flight radar and it pulls up, um, just all the flights in the area. You can go back in time and see when a helicopter, an airplane, jet blue, everything that's not military. Um, you can, you can track and you can get the whole flight path. So they found the helicopter and they, you can see where it, it, it spends a lot of time then left again, basically. So like, that's, that's where idea. it probably is. Right, right. And then it's people a, drove out there um, and, and, and found it to take pictures of. Yeah, that's the ingenuity of curiosity and, you know, just plain old rubbernecking. If something's going on, people want to find out. And if you tell them they can't find it, they're going to want to find it that much more. And they'll figure out a way to do it. That's a great oh, way yeah. to do it. Oh, it's a great way to do it. And I use that. I use that app all the time, especially because sometimes you think, wow, those are those are generally weird lights in the sky. Airplanes yeah. have so many different types of lights on them. Yeah. Um, and you think you know it all because you're like, oh, all right, I see, you know, it's like I live on the oh, flight path to Logan and you've got a good idea of what lights are on the airplanes. But the, right. just the other day I saw a, um, oh, what was it? Um, 
forget the exact model of the airplane, but it was landing at uh, Hanscom, which used to be at just the Air Force Base. But now it's where like the president lands when they have to come into Massachusetts. Um, yeah. And it was a, it just looked like a, a Christmas tree row of lights, just like, you know, usually there's only a few of them, like three or four or six, or whatever it was. This one has like 10 or 12. So it looked like this is big row of lights in the sky, just moving like this. And I was like, sounds cool. like Starling. It, yeah, yeah, exactly. Except, except at 1000 feet. And I was like, this, <laughs> so instead of, yeah, yeah, exactly. Instead of, uh, instead of, uh, you know, 145,000 feet or whatever Starlink is at, or let's 200, no, no, sorry, not feet. Yeah, yeah, no, it could be at way more than that. I was thinking of the moon is 200,000. Yeah, miles. I mean, it was getting um, close to orbit, so it's way up there. Yeah, it's way up there. So, Starlink, um, just for people listening, it, it's a row of satellites that's part of, um, Elon Musk, like, company is trying to get, global wi-fi in order so they're trying to launch satellites that can let you get wi-fi no matter where you are in the world oh it's a wi-fi thing satellites yeah but right now they haven't got it quickly but people have been calling in all kinds of ufologist uh centers and websites trying to figure out i just saw 10 lights in the sky flying by i want to know what the hell it is and most people are finding out that that actually is the trajectory of starlink which you can i believe you can map its relative trajectory on the website if you want to find out where it is now so it's flying up there 10 satellites all in a row it looks almost Mm -hmm. like a string of lights which was made me think of that but not that low to the ground they're way yeah no yeah and they're kind of dim i saw starlink um back in the summer um i was in maine and it was at that point where it was visible in maine you know but it might not be Mm -hmm. visible in south america Right, um, yeah. and and I saw it, and it was like, wow, cool. But it, it looks like I don't know if you've if you stare at the night sky enough on a clear day, you will guaranteed always see satellites. And Joe, you remember seeing them back back in the day all the time. It's just oh, yeah. it just looks like a star that's just moving this fast across the sky, mm-hmm. and it's just a star. You don't see anything crazy about it. It just goes, and sometimes it flashes because the the sunlight re- reflects like the like the the light on my hand right now. It does yeah. one of those things, and then it just disappears. But Starlink literally was, it was, I was like, wow, that's it. It's actually it. It's 10 going the same speed. So mm-hmm. cool. So, anyway, so back to the, back to the monolith. Um, right. Yeah. <laughs> back to the monolith. So um, helicopter pilots found it. What did you see? What? What did you see then at Hanscom Air Force Base? You said you looked up oh. on the track. Yeah. Sorry to not circle back on that. Um, oh, it was a, it was a popular commercial uh, private jet, um, somewhere Ooh, a, a Cessna, a Gulfstream, or a. Oh no no no! It was a Dassault. Uh, it was made by Dassault, D A S S A U L T, um, and I'll find it out later. But it's a, it's a small jet that actually can it does have international capability, so it can fly across the ocean. It's it has can carry enough fuel, um, but it has. Uh, they call it the Christmas tree, um, like landing lights uh, on YouTube. It really does. I was like, that doesn't look normal because I drive by Hanscom all the time and you can always tell like, oh, hey, that's just an airplane landing. I was like, this looks like a literally Starlink is coming to land and it's every light is LEDs. So they're super, super bright and big. It was crazy. Um, But I used the app to figure out exactly what airplane it was. And I thought that was awesome. Just like these people use to find the helicopter flight path of um, uh, that particular helicopter that found the monolith. So um, Utah vision of wildlife resources. So I wanted to get that right. Yep. Okay. So, um, so yeah, so the helicopter found it and then 10 days later it was removed in the middle of the night. And in between then there was just, uh, amateur YouTube people, not that there's like, well, is there professional YouTube people? I guess so. Of course there um, are. Yeah. There's tons yeah. Of them. They make millions yeah. of dollars. Yeah, that's true. They make more <laughs> money than everyone. 
Yeah. Yeah. All between the ages of like that 12 year old, like multimillionaire and uh, yeah, that's, you know, it's a big range for sure. It's big a big range of millionaires on YouTube. So uh, some of those folks uh, between all spectrums of wealth on YouTube went out there probably to take sure. a look and up close what we saw, um, we can, we can even pull up a picture here because we have the technology now um, up there uh, is a, this object um and this broke the this was the first thing i noticed that broke the mystery because my first my my monkey brain goes aliens awesome something weird you and a lot of other people uh, very a cool a vast majority of the people who are interested in this automatically go right to aliens which is the most exciting yep. it's really by far the most exciting and you're like all right cool this is great and then this all ties into stanley kubrick's film 2001 a space odyssey and aliens and why this is so connected. I'm sure you went there too. So because of that, that book and movie uh, is why yep. people say monoliths, that's aliens because those things are so well connected mm -hmm. in the movie. So well connected. So the first thing I noticed that made me a um, non-natural skeptic, my first thought is, God damn, this is exciting. Awesome. I hope that it's like, 35 feet in the ground and weighs 2 billion pounds and is made of some crazy yeah, metal. Yeah, exactly. And it's been there, it's been there for 20,000 years and it's made of some right. metal that's really unidentified, like the metal metal they found at Roswell or element 115, which is the Bob Lazar element, which is, yeah, yes. Um, something wild. Uh, it's not, again, it's stainless steel and more specifically, the craftsmanship ship of this of this one, as well as the other one we'll talk about, was not so great. Uh, it was, it's good. I mean, it's not done by somebody who just like went to Walmart, but um, it was riveted together. And a rivet is definitely the easiest way to put this. Actually, it's the second easiest way to put this together. The first would be a screw. The second would be a rivet. And the third would be to weld it. Um, and the fourth would be to weld it and then grind it down so it looks like there's no seam. Yeah, um, seamless welding or um, yep. They also have magnetic welding would would help it uh, be even better sealed mm, off actually, that way. But like yes. you said, the the idea that it's only the the second one down the rung of how well you could fashion sheets of metal mm -hmm. together and went with riveting, which it, it's not very riveting to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's definitely not. But, but we give the artists credit. Um, because from what I could see is these were, um, they, they weren't at least like shitty rivets, you know, they, they didn't rust or anything. So they're either aluminum or stainless. So at least they put some attention to detail there. Um, but to be that good of an artist and not have the ability to do any sort of welding kind of blows my mind because it's not that hard. Yeah. I mean, this person, obviously, whoever, the, whoever the architect of this, this was knew how to work with metal. It wasn't like they were completely yeah. Um, yeah. new at it, but they still decided to rivet together I, I might have been because of uh fuel and power issues being in that way that far out in the desert it might have just been easier to if they did build it transport there. it and then build it there i didn't think of that yeah and they could have built it beforehand transported but i think it would be easier to trans transport just the parts and then put it together while you're out there yeah. rather than in the whole monolith with you i think it was about an eighth of an inch thick the stainless Sounds steel right. so yeah. that's very thick and then they uh, did realize it was hollow by uh, by knocking mm -hmm. on it before they. Yes. Um, yeah, that was Heavy D. Heavy D, the monster truck driver. He uh, he's the first guy oh, to yeah. find it, and he knocked on it and is like, "It's hollow." And I was like, "Oh, okay." Because if it was if it was solid, I mean, that's a whole other level. You'd be like, it was solid, yeah, "This that is wild." A lot more. Yeah, and it would a been lot very, more. The, the take oh, yeah. down or move or actually 
put out there in the first place, um, which was what it looks like from the aerial photos. You wouldn't assume it's hollow just because of that. No. And also, we're already primed to think that when we think of monoliths, we think of a solid block of material. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's all solid the whole way through. I have a couple of factoids about the uh, the removal of it. Bring if it you on. want to go into that now. Or, yeah. yeah. So, like I said, the picture is posted on November 23rd. And we have the internet now and people are home um, checking things out. And they figure out that this is going on. People start looking for it the way you said. Uh, but it was removed on the night of November 27th um, by an unknown party. People have not been identified who took it down. They said there was four men there to take the object down and remove it. And the, the men didn't seem like they were just stumbling upon it. It was at night. So they knew where they were going and they came there mm -hmm. with tools and a wheelbarrow for the express purpose to take this thing down. The reason why we know that is because there's a man named Michael James Newlands, who was one of the people who was out there finding the monolith and filming it. He was filming it with a drone of his. So he wasn't directly on top of the site. He was a, a bit of a ways back. So you would have to climb into the, uh, the area it was in, but he's the one who saw, um, and has footage of the four men with headlamps on coming in to take this thing down. He could record what was happening and he could hear what they were saying on his, uh, his drone's camera. He neglected to actually fly the drone in so close and be up in these people's faces. He said it was out of respect for the privacy for them. And also that he agreed with what they were doing. He wanted them to take down the object because he felt like someone just popped it out here in the desert and he wasn't gonna go against it. But when he was out there, uh, he did take a couple of photos of just the guys with their headlamps looking down at him. I only know this because he uh, talked to the New York Times about it. They wrote an article about the guy. What he said is that he heard them saying on the footage that, quote, this is why you don't leave trash in the desert, as well as, quote, leave no trace behind. Uh, they said before pushing the object back and forth to uproot it before tipping it over and dismantling it. So they were taking it apart into pieces and wheelbarrowing it off. And that's as far as... Uh, Michael James Newlands knew about the situation. So we know that that's the time when it was dismantled. We don't know who those four men were, who they worked for, or uh, why they felt compelled to uh, take it away uh, at that time. And it was so soon after people finding out about it. So one of the guys, um, so the guy who, the Michael guy you're talking about, I believe he's on... Um... Uh, he does the Gambler Rally, which is like this uh, shitty car rally throughout the country and oh, okay. i weirdly enough saw the original post on instagram because i'm friends with or i follow him or whatever on instagram and i was like wow. oh man he, he went out there because it, it's just right down the same alley as people who like to race weird cars and uh do you know buy a 1970 cadillac that's a pile of shit and then like go overlanding with it type of thing that's the type of guy this was yeah, um, yeah. and uh it's super cool and i'm wicked into that uh so he he was the one who was there and those people said i hope you got your last photo one of those guys came out in the comments on his uh, on his post and said it was me and my crew. Yeah. Okay. So he owned up to it. He owned up to it, and this guy. So these are these are nature con conservationists, like independent ones. I don't think they have a company. They probably just saw this out there and they said, "Hey, nature is beautiful on its own. Doesn't need this trash, quote unquote, out there. Let's go take that thing down." Yeah. Um, and kind of act like we're the, we're, we're the, we're the, we're, we're going to be Batman and Spider-Man for the, you know, be, for this thing in the middle of the desert. Yeah. yeah. This is on public land as we, I don't think we mentioned yet. This is part of a, a national yep. protected land. That's why right. these scientists were going over looking at Bighorn sheep because it was part of a, a public land trust. So if it was on a private property of someone's uh, 
ranch or whatever property they owned, it might be a little bit different of a story we got going on here. But since it was on public property, there is more than one party who would have the authority to send people in and uh, remove it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and and these people feel that um, you know human uh, humans have already destroyed enough uh, untouched land, and and they saw at the time of removal the guy who wrote that. Um, said you know as they were as he was wrapping up or 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 whatever he saw 70 plus cars and an airplane uh coming in to take a look at it and they weren't going on the track story there they're kind of driving over all the way in the desert um which takes you know a long time to grow back if you destroy it because you get keep in mind there's no not a lot of water uh in that 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 area yeah so yeah. yeah so that's their whole thing what do you what do you think about that joe like the whole this thing showed up and then these people came in, decided to be the, the police protectors and, uh, and take this thing down. I think that's interesting because it's an immense amount of effort. It's not the same as pulling up your uh, pickup truck and throwing a, you know, a can of trash in the back of the truck and driving off with it or taking a street sign away. I mean, that is an undertaking to get out there and do that. And my initial thoughts, not knowing that, uh, that that was someone owing up to it. My initial thoughts would be that that's pretty impressive. I understand that if that's the reasoning for it, I can see why they'd want to do that and say, this is, you know, you're leaving human waste out here in this beautiful landscape. But it seems a little suspect to me. I mean, first of all, it's definitely it wouldn't be considered the same as trash for me. At the very least, mm. it's a sculpture that someone put in nature. Mm. And maybe people don't appreciate it being on a uh, protected public land, but it seems pretty odd that four people would take it upon themselves to put up this huge project and I don't think the people who work for conservation that are trying to clean up the parks and take care of them are usually taking on a task of taking down a uh, nine foot tall monolith and dismantling it in the desert and then removing it that's definitely not what they're usually up to so either they got specific orders to do this and the authority to do it and they got all the tools ready or they really took it upon themselves to do this project, but it would be the only time they've ever done something like this, I'd imagine. Otherwise, you're taking maybe oil barrels out of public park. I mean, what else is this large that you're removing metal-wise? You're not picking up candy wrappers. This is not a usual yeah. thing. It seems really suspect to me. Yeah, it's true. It's it's long, um, but, but keep in mind, you said it's an eighth of an inch of stainless, and it's not that heavy. Um, yeah, that being uh, stainless steel is not nearly as, and like you said, it's hollow. So at the most, it's a hundred pounds, and that's at the most. And actually, it's probably closer to, to sixty or something since it's so thin. Think about sheet metal; um, mm-hmm. it's just a little bit thicker than that. So, well, depending on the sheet metal, but an eighth of an inch. Um, sure. Something to compare it to. That heavy, all said and done, but it still took multiple people to uproot yeah. it out of the desert and tip it over, and they were all worried about getting bonked on the head with that thing. You would have gone down pretty hard. So definitely not an easy task either way. I'm just surprised. Well, the thing is, you get think there's pictures of people climbing all over the thing. I'm shocked that it didn't. If it was, if it took just two guys to just hit it like a football player a few times and have it fall over, I'm surprised mm-hmm. it didn't fall over when there's so you know a 150 pound year old guy on it. Uh, hanging like a monkey on it that it didn't fall off then because it's He's 150 pounds years old so you better watch yeah. out for him <laughs> so that's old my fat thing dude. yeah right yeah well exactly <laughs> so um so for me i i don't know how i feel about the removal of it because it, it brought it, there's not a lot going on there it's a beautiful freaking place i do disagree with people just taking it upon themselves to go drive all over the place just to get there and run over plants and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. 
I don't know to just pull it out. It adds the mystery of it, and also it had its moment and it's gone, and that's that's fine. You know, it's okay. So it's not the end of the world. Um, mm -hmm. But I was definitely I sad to see it go. It's obviously uh, an odd part of it too, even though I'm sure that it's easier to be doing things out in the desert when it's not, you know, scorching hot out. It is November, and they did the entire thing on in the cover of night. There happened to be someone there uh, mm -hmm. who we mentioned, but. That also seems a little bit part of like the uh, trying to keep this thing quiet and just get rid of it before anyone gets too up in arms about it. I and think so. Headlamps on. They could have done that any of the days. They could have done that the next day after they had the pictures mm. were posted if they wanted to. The public parks could have said, hey, we're going in there tomorrow. No one goes see it. It's dangerous to get to. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt the environment. We're going to take care of it. No mention of that. And then in the night it happens and some people happen to see it. And now these guys are claiming that uh, or the guys who did it. Yeah, that's a good point because you know the, the 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 parks could have genuinely just strapped to a helicopter and just pulled it, uprooted it, and then flew off of the thing, you know. And that would have been that would have been just like I don't know. I seem like that just is, is a is a better way to do things. And if I was running the the, the conservation committee or whatever it's called, that would have just been like, all right, so yeah, everyone's had their fun. We got to take it out because people are running all over the land. Let's just pop that thing out of here. Yeah, and yeah. I would think that they would they would. I openly announced that. I mean, the, the parks division of all kinds of states is always telling people different things that they're going to be doing in the parks and how they're mm -hmm. going to be limiting them in some ways for the benefit of the environment itself. It's not like them to be very cagey about things like this. They usually say, mm -hmm. hey, I know someone went up and graffitied uh, the side of the Grand Canyon. Don't be doing that. We're taking it down. Like, they're pretty yeah, open. Yeah. When things like that happen, they're not keeping on the hush-hush. And everyone knew about the model. I'm just surprised they didn't say, hey, we're taking it down in, in a couple nights. So, you know, please don't keep coming out there they didn't say yeah 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 exactly like we'll be there at this time and whether yeah. they're there or not we're taking it out so yeah. and they put a quick fact about you know the environment and try to teach you something in a tweet or whatever and that's how they usually handle it that's why it's odd yeah yeah so it is a little odd um so that brings us to um i think that covers everything about the utah one there's not too much more to know besides potentially who put it there yeah which we're going to try to you know figure out at least have our conclusions about well, who, why we think it's there and uh yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So maybe we'll talk about that at the, uh, later on about who who might have put that there, and we'll we'll, we'll move on to Romania. Romania. Now, why would we talk about Romania after talking about Utah? That's a good question. Is Romania where Dracula's from? He's from Transylvania, but it is one of the eastern, yeah, Eastern European countries in that bulk next to uh, Bulgaria and uh, yep. near Croatia and uh, Ukraine. So it's right. Ah, I see. Up yep. Yep. Right up in there. Romania. Okay. All right. Yeah. It is a almost identical monolith that popped up on a hill and is also now gone in Romania. So, so that, that's the story, right? Uh, not to get too ahead that's of That's the story. A yeah. monolith is found on November 28th, which would be the day directly after the removal of the Utah monolith. It was found in Romania. Similar size, similar makeup. It did have markings all along it, almost like a squiggly mm -hmm. line up and down mm -hmm. it, but it seems to be made of the exact same material. I believe it was also riveted together in a similar fashion. It had seams at the bottom of it. But that was found um, on Bacta Domine Hill, which is close to the remains of the Petrodava Dacian Fortress. That's a fortress that was built uh, around 80 BC in ancient Europe by the Dacian people. So people also think that that might be a reason why it was placed on that particular location because it was on a hill, which was a fortified location back in ancient Europe, which is another odd part about the monolith being put here. But similarly, same relative height, 
hollow on the inside. And like Dylan said, as of December 1st, this model has gone too. She'd be gone. We don't have any footage of anyone removing this one. It just was had disappeared. People checked for it the next day and they had a uh, little bit of displaced snow and a uh, little bit of, you know, de- debris moved about, mm-hmm. but there was no, uh, no evidence that it was there. Besides that, it was gone completely. So, um, so what's the, the ruins that are 80 BC, you know, 2080 years old called? It's called the, uh, the Petrodava Dacian Fortress. Petrodava Dacian Forest, also known as Romania's biggest attraction. <laughs> that's what that's what Romania is known for, everybody. That fortress right there. That's all we got. That's all we got as of today. A minor stone wall and an etching that says, you know, thousands of this years ago. This is it. Here. It was a big yep. deal. Yeah, people are flocking from all over the world to go that thing. Um, it was built about which, 80 years ago. I mean, exactly. Is it a megalith by any chance? Uh, I, no. No. Okay. It's just a little small thing, like um, much like uh, uh, like the uh, America Stonehenge in Salem, New Hampshire. It was was larger than that. I mean, it was a defensible in ancient times. So it was big enough that people, it would house troops and people in it, but it was clearly built um, at the time as a, you know, a fortress to to have people in a location. It wasn't any kind of from what they can tell, spiritual site. It was strictly to defend the land around that particular portion of Romania, back when the Dacian people were the uh, majority around that area. Got it. Okay. Um, by the way, America Stonehenge in Sam New Hampshire is a great place. I've been there twice in the past. Well, yeah, actually twice in the past. 2020, I went there twice, and then once before that. But anyways, um, so this, so the same thing. Similar monolith shows up there. Um, and a couple of details that I know about it, um, based after looking at it, um, yeah. same thing. This one definitely is not put there by aliens. If any of them were aliens, it wasn't this one. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's very clear. And I can well, tell you like why. There. And uh, a little bit more to the evidence is the fact that it's directly after the one in Utah. I mean, yeah, 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 totally. Absolutely. Um, that's a, definitely a big part of it. But the other two screaming factors is. Um, first, 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 you mentioned the squiggly lines. Um, as somebody who uh, is familiar with metalwork, those squiggly lines specifically came from a rotary tool, much like an angle grinder. Um, an angle okay. grinder is something I would use to grind down a weld or to cut certain metal like that's thin enough or whatever it is. Um, mm-hmm. And you can have different attachments on them. And it's very clearly something, it spins at like 10,000 RPM like this. You hold, I wish I had one in front of me. It's got a big old one. Yeah, it's like a it's like a Dremel that's that's really just more hardcore, um, more for you. Know, you can cut cement with them, you can cut metal, whatever it is, hardcore thing. Um, and and you just take it, it turns on, and you go like this with it, like a like a a car buffer. It looks much like that the way it comes out. And you'll see those lines are very clearly completely not perfect. Like some crop circles are perfect. This is not. It's very much like oh, some dude's got he's got a couple of beers. He's just like oh, I want to do a thing. And then the second thing is that um, this one is not riveted together because I took a lot of, it's not. Um, I, it might've looked at from far away, but when you look up closer, um, it was tack welded. So somebody took, I was excited because I said, hey, if you got somebody who's really a metal craftsman, they can make that, that mother look like something that is solid and grew out of the ground like that with no markings or whatever it is. 
uh, attack weld is is a weld that you would put in place to to it can be very structural but it's not it's not aesthetically pleasing it's just when you go and you would just do a a dot here a dot there a dot there a dot there and they did that on all the seams it together metal wise just bolting it you know at certain sections rather than making it a nice seamless uh adherence to each part of the piece you're just tack welding is putting up a piece of scrap metal against scrap metal just get it done yep just get done quick don't 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 carry the bead down which is like molten lava you can you can when you start welding you can hold it there and you drag it down you have that nice, beautiful look that you would do like this. This is, they oh, did, man, 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 They would do it like that, only it's a human being doing it really shitty. So it's like, yeah. get splatter. It, it just didn't look good. And I was like, oh, yeah, definitely, definitely a human. Did yeah, that. it doesn't reek of alien technology to me if you can't even weld it together properly. And other humans could do that. Yeah, but however, I mean, that's those are the downsides besides the people, you know, walking all over protected land. Um, well, downsides, you're making an immediate judgment on what you want to happen here. Those are the downsides. It's not well, fun. Because well, when you wait. A person did is that's bad, but the upside is there could yeah. be other aliens. The upside, the upside is what we're going to talk about today because there's, the downsides are very small that these were pieces of, of, of metal art. Um, that uh, somebody put in, in somewhere in nature. And I think that it's it makes you excited. And the downside is some of the craftsmanship wasn't great. The media coverage was really bad. I mean, they were like, they were, they, they just saw, this is the best example of sucking people into like, holy cow, alien stuff, did whatever it is. And you pull in there and you actually look at the image, you go, definitely not. Um, yeah. It's really and, uh I mean, yeah, I heard yeah. all the things in the first camp, people are saying that they, those were old uh, NASA satellite relays from back nice. in the 70s. But in between, it's just all, you know, people speculate over a 24-hour period on the internet and they just mm. go nuts. And it's it behooves yep. you to take a step back and a little, do a little research on it yourself and see what you can think about it before you immediately jump to conclusions, Matt, about anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, so yeah, not, not aliens and these. Um, but the, the, so anything Joe like mentioned it. earlier that this was recorded on December 2nd, uh, like 7, 8 p.m. Eastern time. And there's a good chance that something else is going to pop up. We're what keeping our that, the grindstone or ear to the ground. We want to see what the news is on this. That's two yeah. monolith party up and down in a matter of weeks. Yeah, and if I, I mean, if I had more materials right now, I could, I could definitely put one of those puppers up in the middle of the night. Mm. It's a getting a piece of stainless. Problem. Getting a piece of stainless like that is, I cannot get a single, non-seam piece of stainless that's twelve feet long. Or potentially, let's say thirteen or fourteen, because you want to dig it down so it doesn't fall over. Right. Um, I'd have to go to a metal shop and have them make it for me, and it would be yeah, very expensive. clear to the cops. Hey, did someone come in here and buy a t- three twelve-foot sections of stainless steel? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he did. Then it would be very clearly me. Um, but that'd be cool. But I'm not doing it. And also, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money for something that you're not even going to attribute to yourself because both of these. Whatever they were, whatever the reasoning behind them, no one has it. Um, put their hand up and said, "I'm the one who did the monolith." You know, I'm the one well, who- maybe someone did. Uh, a certain guy in uh, who lives uh, west of Utah named John McCracken. You ever hear of him? I uh, yeah, he, he used to make uh, art projects that were pretty similar to that. He did. Uh, indeed. He did. Do you- there was a movie called. The first time that 
I think the internet has speculated that something like this has shown up in the 20th century would be 2001 by Stanley Kubrick, Space Odyssey. Mm-hmm. The, the space, uh, 2001, A Space Odyssey is the movie by Stanley Kubrick. Based on the, the science fiction novel by Arthur C. Clarke that was written beforehand. Perfect. And then it was on a Simpsons episode, which was just an identical scene. So anybody who saw that, this, the Simpsons predicted this. They did not. They pulled it directly from a movie. Yeah. Most they, of they predicted a lot of things, that. but not this. Well, a lot of things they predicted were are very similar to this story where it was uh, <laughs> it was a movie. <laughs> if you look into it. But yeah. uh, the, yeah, basically every pop culture reference to a monolith is almost certainly a reference to 2001 A Space Odyssey. In that movie, it's sort of posited through, uh, you know, visual cues and the way the cinematic re- rolls out in that movie. Uh, unlike in the book, which I have not read, which is supposed to be the similar idea of it, is that there's an image of a monolith in a desert, sort of like the one that we saw in, in Utah, and it's surrounded by proto-hominids, so human-like uh, apes that are existing in the, in the long past, and nothing happens that's so ridiculous. There's no glowing lights, there's no speaking, the monolith is just there, and these proto-hominids show up. They freak out that about it being there. And then within the time that they first discover it, they start to use tools for the first time. And it's kind of positive that this is some kind of alien technology that is teaching them to expand their minds. The first time that an animal on earth could use tools and start to change the world around them much in the way that humans have gone on to develop the planet into something that looks much like a science fiction idea, maybe back then, the way that we've dealt with things now. So that, that seems to be the immediate tie with aliens is that when people see monoliths, they tie it to that movie. That movie t- says that aliens left a monolith on planet Earth and it accelerated human development uh, and technological development in the next you know, thousands of years going forward. So that's why people are so quick to tie this directly to that. Is he a monolith? It's aliens, man. It's fucking aliens. It's got to be. That's what monoliths are. Big metal monolith. I saw the movie. Mm-hmm. It's aliens. They're teaching us shit. So uh, this ties directly into this. And that's exactly what I was, uh, I'm on the same page as you about that um, with the monkeys who see this and then all of a sudden they become uh, modern hominids where they, like you mentioned, start using tools. So I got a question for you. So where were you, do you remember where and what you were doing on December 21st, 2012? Uh, I'm sure that I was at my apartment and I was probably... Uh, watching TV or something and had a ticker up that was watching uh, the countdown to the end of the world, as it were. Yeah. I was not a fan of it at all. I was more um, looking forward to walking next door or my next door neighbor at the time was my uncle and he was very convinced of it in a very funny way. And I was waiting to open his door up and say, where's the fire and brimstone? Come on. Yep. Which okay. would have happened in China before it happened here. So yeah. technically the whole thing. So, I don't think we go on the Central American time. It was their clock that they were going on that for 2012 being the end of the world. But yeah, I but do. If you think of like who gets 20, who gets December 21st first? It's China, and then people don't think that through. So maybe it's China that gets it first, or it's the Central American clock, which is obviously cannot be that accurate today because of all the daylight savings and the this, the that. The... Everyone's happy to say all that now in hindsight, but it was very strange totally about it beforehand and then only after it didn't happen they go oh well if you think about it oh really you should have thought about it before you told the whole world it was going to end 
Yeah, moron. very strange or very stressful to some people. Um, yeah. Oh, even I, in the uh, culture, it never said in any anything we found that they thought that the that the apocalypse is going to happen. Everyone's going to die. They they had their calendars cyclical, which said that the end of the world and beginning of the world was one the same, where it would keep cycling around between beginning, flourishing, mm. and then ending and starting anew, almost like this was going to be the end of our cycle that we that's, had. Would end that that segment, we're in the next one now, which is not any different. It's just how you categorize it. And that could very well still be true by the by whatever metaphor or whatever idea that they had. It could be this is the beginning of a new era on Earth, which you could make a lot of arguments that way. But and, and nowhere did it say it was going to be the fire and brimstone apocalypse that we know that almost every single major religion in the world subscribes to, that one day there shall be the end. There is a world now, and one day it will be over, and we'll all be dead. That's like a concept that every single religion has, no matter who you are. And a lot of people yeah. think it anyway. The idea of being alive and understanding that one day you might die begs the question of, well, then one day everything has to go. And when is that day? It must be tomorrow because I'm so important. I'm living during the apocalypse. Yes. Very good point. Uh, and that is, uh, that's Dylan of uh, 21 years old right there who just got off an airplane from something. Uh, I didn't sleep for like 48 hours because I was nervous and hungover the entire time. And I was so hungover and tired and sleepless. Yeah, that's that, rough. Well, it was like this whole big, I had a whole lot of work stuff going on. So I was just flying between states in the West Coast for like yeah. a week or two straight, I felt like. And I was just drinking and sleepless and the whole thing. And I was like, the world's ending in a week. Fucking fuck it. Right. You know, I'm sure obviously you thought the same thing. So, um, <laughs> So not even a little bit. So I got myself to a point where I said, fucking blows up, whatever. I feel like I'm like, it's not like I'm not even here at this point and it didn't <laughs> blow up. And, uh, and then I had to go back to work the next day. That's kind of a bummer. Did you feel any sense of relief that it wasn't uh, the end for you and get go back to work, but at least you could have another. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, to Oh, totally. I just made myself, I think I intentionally made myself just like, a mess because i was like i i can't process this normally that this is too much for me to handle a mind said this is all going to end and it's just not good for me so this is bad so yeah. i made it really a really hard uh stressful time for me where i was like very distant um and it didn't and then i was like all right cool i can get back to life and see my friends and family and just enjoy enjoy things from here on out so it brings up my point is that mm -hmm. people think that since the calendar was off maybe potentially by eight years that might be uh in 19 days and whether that is symbolic of the world blowing up i don't think so Ooh. yeah that's so, exciting so the monkeys all over the monolith in stanley kubrick's movie trying to figure out the turning point in uh human history which was the monolith in that movie uh and mm -hmm. the monkeys they think maybe there's another event going on that uh, might uh, change the way that our society functions or, or our higher intelligence operates after this 21st year. Very interesting. Very, Very interesting. interesting. So somebody mm -hmm. might have put that there. But, but what do you think, though? Because they said that it's been there for years. So I don't think that they would have. Mm. It's not. It came at the right time, but they didn't. The, whoever put that there probably didn't think this part through i don't think i wouldn't think so either but interestingly to what you just said it, it came four years after 2012 and four years before 2020 so it was placed there in between mm -hmm. both of these dates which is certainly uh circumstantial evidence and a coincidence i think but 
definitely interesting. Mm -hmm. You want to do the math out on that. Yeah. So that's something that's a, that's a, that's an interesting twist to this one that I can't really say is or isn't the mm -hmm. case. Um, besides that, um, I don't have any more information about these monoliths besides they are what they are. I like them. If they were some sort of odd metal, specifically mm -hmm. referencing very specifically Roswell or other uh, UFO landing crash abduction sites that have other weird stuff going on, like radioactivity, huge, huge thing with UFO sightings, UFO um, like close encounters uh, in some crop circles, they, there's more radio radioactivity in the area or specifically in that right. spot. This, no one, I never saw a Geiger counter there, but this is not looking to be the case. The metal is stainless. It's not, I mentioned element 115, which is- You did. Can you I, clarify? I did. Uh, element 115 was, uh, I believe, identified, it wasn't categorized, but it was identified by somebody named Bob Lazar. Um, Bob Lazar was Bob Lazar, a, most famous in the ufology community. He's one of the- But he didn't want to be. Yeah, he is. Bab Lazar was an astrophysicist in the early late 80s, early 90s, who got assigned to Area 51 to dissect UFOs and their power source. And he has given the UFO community a lot of information at his own expense. Uh, and you can go on his website right now. Um, it is uh, unitednuclear.com. <laughs> you can learn more about Bob Lazar and you can buy uranium on the website. But you're not buying the same uranium that causes crazy stuff. Okay, so it's an inert uh, version. Yeah, but he has an actual that. business in Nevada. Um, and again, he used to work at Area 51. And he kind of was a, uh, a whistleblower on the whole thing there. Because he worked at an area called S4. Um, but he identified Element 115 as the power source for UFOs. Because it's like a, it's an insanely, ins it, it exists. But it's so unstable that they can't actually... They've, they've identified it because the, the, it only exists in like the craziest short, like I don't know how to even say it because something can exist right here for such a short period of time because it's so unstable, but it's like 0. Mm -hmm. 0.00 to the millionth yeah. power millisecond of, yeah. of time that's there, but it's there. Yeah, it, it yeah is but if there. you can stabilize it, it. Yeah, but it does exist. So so he did that, but um, if you can I'm stabilize it. Yeah, element 115 is not what they found at, at Area 50 or at, at Roswell when there was a crash, but that was a type of metal where you could take it. It looks like it looks like a piece of stainless that's this big and crumple it in a ball and then let it go and it goes back to the shape that it was in or, originally. Um, so if that would be a stable version of it if they had um, the evidence of that happening, right? That would have been a stable version of that element because if it can only exist yes. for such a short period of time that we can recreate on Earth, you would have to have it pretty stable to be able to manipulate it as a sheet of metal. Yeah, totally. And the only accounts of that, so there's a famous picture in 1947 in Roswell of uh, some dude in the Air Force kind of crouched down and he's uh, got all, his, all these parts in front of him that look like a weather balloon because I think they are. Um, the media came in or the Air Force said, hey, take a picture of all this shit and tell them it's that. And it, and it wasn't. Yeah. But the people who were there said that they, they could pick up this metal and crumple in a ball, which obviously would be a stable version. Something unstable just explodes <laughs> or goes away or you, to, to be able to stabilize stuff or, or elements is way above my my understanding of them um mm -hmm. but something that you can hold like that is not stable but things change all the time like mercury for example would be a metal um that at room temperature is liquid but at um when does it get solid when it's cold or hot 
Uh, it has to be, uh, it, yeah, it has to be solid when it's very cold because cold. if it's a good bit it. of room temperature, it would need to be much colder than room temperature for it mm -hmm. to be solid. Uh, so that would, mercury is an, an unstable element in the same way as that. When we're talking about stability of elements, we're talking about the actual atoms and their number of electrons, neutrons, and protons need to be equaled out for them to be a stable element. If, other than that, they become mm. radioactive where they're either, they're shedding uh, electrons or subatomic particles. That's, that's what the radioactivity comes from. And, mm -hmm. and those, those particles shooting out from it is why it affects uh, people and the environment so poorly. Or mm. it's lacking them and it, it's going to be constantly wanting to gain more because every element wants to just be stable, perfect number. So when they say unstable elements, they don't mean that it's going to change from solid to liquid to gas or even not be able to be tensile in your hand. It just means that it can't even remain that element. You add a proton, a neutron, electron, any element becomes another element. So that being unstable and being only produced in a lab probably says to me that it's either super radioactive or it's it's always trying to get more electrons to stable it out which means that it can't exist for very long on our planet as far as that stability goes interesting i learned today to to add to that that um mm -hmm. another way to a lot of like uh, ufo sighting uh, well like very very close up ones um or specifically the elephant foot at um at uh Chernobyl, um, the big the the big giant radioactive blob at Chernobyl in the basement. Oh, they yeah, call it yeah. The, ele the elephant foot. I, the pictures... the name of it. I was like, I don't know, it was an elephant. Yeah, Chernobyl. yeah. They call it the elephant foot. The reason that that is the pictures of that are so shitty are because when something is that radioactive, um, the best one of the one of a really good way to pick it up is on photographs. Um, when you develop a photograph and uh, it it comes out all blurry like that because of like you said yeah. the it's shedding all the electrons or. Yeah, they just. Um, spewing through all the yeah. Yeah, including the the the, uh, the photosensitive film that you're using your film that's still getting blasted with it sucks it up yeah exactly um totally so so um so we know we know that this is things of of like unknown origins tend to have properties that are that are similar to that um and this is this just isn't mm, it's easily explainable to what it is maybe not easily explainable to why it was there but we can explain what it is which gives more credence that that is most likely uh, a, a man-made object. Because yep. going by uh, the principle of Occam's razor, which is mostly just the idea um, mm. that comes from you know old philosophy, the most simple solution is most commonly the accurate solution. So it doesn't always work. Sometimes when you're cutting Ooh, through like uh, a mystery or an idea, it turns out that it actually the solution is much more complicated than it seems like the sum is greater than that of its parts but it's very rare and it's usually a good thought exercise or just a way to, to be understanding new ideas is that the simplest answer is almost always the answer so is it more simple and more you know streamlined that this is an object that was made from earth out of elements we know out of materials we know in a way we know like riveting or tack welding and moved by human or is it throw all those simple concepts away that we know happens every day and it's happened for thousands of years and say, but this time it's probably from outer space put in here by extraterrestrials. Doesn't mean it's not true, but going by the simplest solution, it's almost most complicated solution you can think of. So you're gonna need to bring in a lot more evidence and ideas of why it wouldn't need to be that before it was ever a good idea to base it that way. I mean. I can't imagine making your life decisions based on the strangest example. 
when you hit a red light and you think that the government beamed in uh, a drone to try to stop you on your way to work, it's not as simple as thinking, ah, I hit the red. One of them is more likely, even if they're both might be true. True. All right. So as far as uh, monoliths go from around the earth, uh, like we were saying, most all ones that I found and that are all over the, the planet are all made of stone, but they're all geographical monoliths that are much, much larger than anyone we've been talking about today. I mean, we're talking about hundreds of feet across and thousands of feet tall. Looking into monoliths around the world, there seems to be just almost a hundred different monoliths that are notable. There's monoliths that are in every single continent um, besides Antarctica, which there very well may could be one that people haven't talked about. <laughs> we're not going to get there today. <laughs> no. <laughs> and it's a million miles wide and it's the ice wall. You know, Don't worry, guys. There's a lot going on in Antarctica, but that's for a whole fucking you know, <laughs> I can't bring that up. So let's start with Don't get us started. Yep. Okay. Regular <laughs> world. Okay, go. <laughs> okay. So there's uh there's uh for examples there's Sangla Hill in Pakistan a giant monolith just there's a stone cliff all around pops right up right next to the city you have Uluru in Australia Gavea Rock in Brazil right next to the mm -hmm. coastline there we have Beacon Rock in Washington State in the USA one of our mainstays this podcast mm -hmm. Washington main State States. Well, main of course 50. we have the famous Rock of Gibraltar. People would sing about it. They, they'd write poems about it. It's in Gibraltar in the Southern Europe. It's just this massive piece of land. It sticks up, looks like out of nowhere, almost like a giant punch the bottom of it right up. As well as the Monolithos Fortress in Rhodes in Greece, which is a fortress that was built on top of a, a naturally occurring monolith in Greece, which must have been a huge pain in the ass to try to invade that thing. I can't imagine it was ever taken. And now Wait, it, it's not the it's not the Acropolis. No, because the Acropolis is built on top of an, that type of shit, too. It's not <laughs> the same thing. The Acropolis isn't in Rhodes, though, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think so. It's in Athens, right? It's in Athens, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Well, Rhodes is just, you know, one of the other islands of Greece that it has, you know, the monolith that pops up. They decide, let's build some shit on top here. No one will ever yep. take us over. They're right. Fun note, fun, on that, uh, another side fact, uh, I didn't see it, but I was in Greece a year ago. Sparta is a fucking sign. It's like a sign on the road. They're like, this was this. <laughs> <laughs> it's was. like a plaque. Oh, like God. right here was that, and now it's fucking highway. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Sparta, a long yeah. time ago. Yeah. yeah, that whole that whole section. I mean, if you, even on like old ancient maps and stuff, Sparta wasn't this large, you know, section of the map. It was a city state, and then around it was all the other. Anyways. Yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, so the other one I want to talk about to wrap it up is something that we've you know talked about in the past is the Devil's Tower, which is a monolith, another monolith that's in the continent of the United States. It's in Wyoming, and people would recognize it immediately by the image or the idea in their head. The Devil's Tower is this rock structure that rises up 1,267 feet above the ground right next to the Belforce River. It's found in uh, Crook County, Wyoming. Native American tribes used to refer to it as the Bears Lodge or the home of the bear. But when we got a hold of that thing, a couple of pictures were taken in the early 1900s to show all other Americans about it. And it's, it's been known since as the Devil's Tower, the strange object mm. rising up out of the desert and the tallest object for, for miles and miles away. What most people would know it from is a famous Steven Spielberg movie that not only involved the Devil's Tower, but involved 
otherworldly people. I'm not talking about ET. What am I talking about, Dylan? Close encounters of the third kind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What does that mean to you? That that whole concept of that coming together. Does that give any credence to the idea that monoliths are are tied together with that? Because them putting it in a movie is a definite callback to the idea of a monolith being part of it. at least a notable thing that extraterrestrials want to come to, whether or not they built it there. It's like a beacon. Yeah, they like. Uh, I, I feel like it's. So when I think of the Devil's Tower, it looks like a piece of clay that somebody took their hand and did this to. Or mashed potatoes. Mashed potatoes with a fork. Even better yeah. for us Irish folks all around here. <laughs> Still yeah, yeah. If you put it in mashed potato form, we got okay. it down. Yep, it's very much like that. Um, yeah, I don't really have too much of an insight as to like monoliths and ETs and the relevance. Besides, there people think there may be an increase in UFO sightings around them, or they may be secret entrances and mountains where they where ufos fly into but i have no evidence of that i don't know especially especially the devil's tower i believe the devil's tower is called what it is because of a curse native americans put on it really so and a lot of those curses and we took over the bear lodge uh they said we're gonna put a curse on the bear lodge so you guys can never enjoy much like the um so native americans never were like this is the aliens uh (laughs) the Aliens estate, specifically for extraterrestrials, they, they, anything larger than them or their spiritual beings that they were surrounded by were always animals. Um, and it makes me think of Skinwalker Ranch, um, which was a, Ranch, it might be a great topic for a future podcast. Another right? one. Yeah. Um, but they exactly. So another, another area that was cursed by Native Americans because uh, for obvious reasons. Cursed curse well they put some sort of curse on it and it's been there's been there's been it's specifically skinwalker ranch which was studied by the government now is held by some private guy um mm-hmm. uh has been cursed has generally had a a significantly larger amount of ufo settings and and paranormal activity going on there um so any of these native american things typically they put the spirits on stuff and those spirits could be who knows what so so the devil's tower yeah is is, uh is the most like as you mentioned the most famous monolith that we can think of but it's made of rock other monoliths that we know of that are not made of rock are man-made um specifically like the monolith in utah that we just saw uh which is very small comparatively like very very small it's like comparing the The sun to the moon and then about a hundred times larger but not talking the whole thing. So yeah, it's, it's very much a different story. So, um, so, but there's, so every other monolith that is made of something that isn't rock is definitely man-made. Um, again, and the only thing I can think of is the, the, the gateway to the West, which is in St. Louis, as we mentioned earlier. Oh, the George um, Washington monument in Washington, DC, the pretty famous monolith that we have. A that's stone. Of, isn't it? It, oh, it, it is stone, but it, uh, it's another one that's man-made. All the ones that I mentioned are not man-made. They're geologically uh, right, right. understandable events that have happened. Yep, exactly. And just don't, let's all not forget, though, meteor, meteorites, asteroids, when they got on Earth, they are made of mostly metal, but they're not uh, sculptured like that. The only time that we found metals like that are from UFO crashes um, that are in, like, that. the pure, pure, purest, like, on, uh, like, fil- I'd say not pure, filtered would be the best way to describe, like, a, a piece of metal that is just metal, doesn't have any dirt or soil around it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's uh, that's all I know about monoliths. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Well, I got one more monolith that I had on my list here, which is a pretty famous one. Uh, I feel like I'm missing why... something, like Atlantis or something. Oh, I don't know about that. That could be a whole other monolith that it has to be mm. under the sea. Um, under the sea, yep. The monolith that's also uh, pretty famous is the monolith of Phobos, which is a stone structure, or we believe it's stone. It is on the moon of Mars, one of Mars's two moons, Phobos. Oh, yeah, yeah. Satellite images of it from the uh, the Hubble telescope, as well as different uh, NASA projects that I went to take pictures of it as they went by. Uh, so the, the monolith of Phobos is a, a large boulder. They assume it's made out of the, the surface of Phobos. And the surface of Phobos is pretty similar to our moon, uh, but it's about a third of the size of our moon. So it's got craters all over it. It's dusty, rocky, no atmosphere like our moon, but a bit smaller. So like I was saying, it's 300 feet tall and about 279 feet across. So it's a big lump that towers mm. above everything around it because for miles and miles around it there's only solid ground and craters and it just pops up out of nowhere by itself sticking there um so it's pretty interesting seeing satellite photos of it there's a castellar shadow along the landscape and there's nothing around it that you can really notice besides that and that's just an example of a monolith that's uh in our solar system that's not connected to earth at all but in a uh uh, just just to visualize that, 300 feet is about uh, 10 McMansions stacked on top of each other. Mm -hmm. So 10 McMansions. It's not up. shitty. I mean, that's like a legit. Half McMansions wide, something like that. Pretty big. Yeah, so, yeah McMansion speak, it's about that. Um, <laughs> and maybe, maybe, maybe 10 school buses uh, standing up as well could be another thing. I'd say a school bus is 30 feet, 30 feet long, right? Oh yeah, you mean like up uh, up this way? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. yeah. If you're if you're doing that with school buses, that's kind of the way to good way so to evil can evil could probably jump it. You know, if you got enough speed, and there's almost no gravity on Phobos, so he'd just be able to take off and just keep going. No, no, no. I don't think evil can evil could jump that. Is we're we're not talking about the width of school buses. We're gonna take a school instead of being like this. You know, this is this is this is this, is, this specifically is ten school buses. We're talking this way. Right, but they're they're almost the same amount. So it's two, it's three hundred feet tall and two hundred seventy feet wide. So if Knievel got the top of it and they put the school bus, oh, definitely, yeah, end to end, yeah, that thing. You need a definitely. big ass get over the whole thing, though. Like you said, how tall it is, you know, big time. That. Yep, definitely. So but yeah, yeah that's, that's a monolith on Pluto. That's all I got about monoliths that are you know, around the world. Another example of one that exists uh, in our solar system. But I think we should start to head back towards our area of discussion, which is the mysterious monolith in Utah. And we can say our final thoughts about what we think it is, uh, what monoliths um, could mean beyond just geological sites, or how they could be connected um, to something we can't explain. And ultimately what we think is going to be happening in the future as far as news goes. I mean, Within the time we decided to make this podcast, they had already found one in Romania and it went up and down in the amount of time before we get mm -hmm. recorded. So we could see more in the future. I'm not sure. We'll see. Anything could happen. So, um, yeah. So as, as, as we talked about, monoliths came before megaliths and megaliths, they think, attract to UFOs. And now we're at a point where humans have made something that's 12 feet tall. That is a monolith, but made of a man-made material like stainless steel. Um, so, so who put that there? Um, my first guess is this, this, uh, this artist who's dead, 
he died um and he sounds like a great guy uh john mccracken died in 2016 right 2016 yes he uh, i believe yes. he, did. he died recently yeah he, I think it was, uh, i'm not sure actually it might be before that yeah i think you're right i think it was like 2015 it was, it was definitely within 2000 around then um yeah no he did he died in uh uh 2011 so it's a bit before oh, yeah 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 way way before so the only reason that i think it's him well two reasons he made stuff like this this was his jam he liked contemporary art um mm-hmm. which would be this contemporary art um and he he clearly made these objects i've never seen what his rivet situation is um if, yeah, if he was a riveter that i've seen him make are they look more like what you described as someone beautifully doing a piece together it's seamless it looks like one yeah. solid object almost like he cut you know with like a laser just looks like a nice brick or a prism of a material a couple of his art pieces look very similar to this monolith um True. minus it being underground and minus the crappy metalwork that's associated with the ones that exactly so if i were to do it you can use um you could use one piece of stainless and bend it, uh, bend it twice. So you have one sheet and you put two two bends in it to bring one together, and then you can weld one side of it. So you don't have to weld all three sides. You can do that um, if you really have the right tools. You can make that look pretty clean. And then, like I said, when you weld, you see a nice, you see a genuine bead. It looks like a bunch of dimes are stacked on it. You grind those down, and you can make it look like it was it was cast. If you do it that way, um, yeah, you can see a lot of like. Uh, uh, restaurants do it with their tables if they make some cool plywood, uh, you know, like that. That look like plywood epoxied with with metal. They'll they'll weld. They'll have a welder come in and weld it into a table and then grind down okay. those welds so it looks like it's one piece, but it's actually not. Um, so so yeah. So I haven't I haven't looked at his art that closely, but I do know that he said to his son before he died um, that he he would like to anonymously put art out in nature and have people find it eventually. Interesting. He said, and his son said, is this something that uh, when he was questioned, um, cause they have, he's a famous, he's a genuinely famous artist, not some dude in a basement. You know, he said, uh, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> he's recognized internationally. He's recognized in his son said, is this, you know, basically asking is this something he, your father would do? And he said, yeah, definitely. He said this, he said he would like to do this one day. And if he did it, he wouldn't know. He didn't tell anybody cause he died. But he might have just thrown a couple pieces out there for people to find, um, and then passed then then passed away. Um, and another mm-hmm. guy recently, it was just found a couple months ago. But for at least a year, um, there's another another a guy in the that area in Utah um, or Nevada, Arizona. I forget which one it was. Um, who or Colorado? I think it was. Yeah, in that four state region, um, you can include Wyoming too if you want to just have fun. Who put treasure a million dollars worth of treasure out there? Hmm? Oh yes, that was a great story about the guy. Great story, but, but people are doing this, you know. Right, but he announced yeah. it luckily for us that people knew about it, and he said, "Yeah, yeah, um, it's not the same." We could say for this art piece, even though it might be a similar situation where someone of means puts it out there and says, "Hey, go find it," encouraging exploration. Exactly. Exactly. So. So that's my, my theory is that uh, I don't know if it's him. I, I, you know, we may never know if it was him, but, but somebody like that put that out there. Um, and if it was put out in 2016 and he died in 2011, I don't know, maybe it was somebody who was, who had a similar idea to him that put it out there. And, and who knows? I mean, tomorrow, tonight, 
next week someone could come out and say, hey, this is this is me in the process of putting this here. We don't know. Yeah, it very well could be. I could think that there's definitely a similarity with, with how he wanted to do that. And he was the most famous person to build structures like this for art, but I don't think that's a completely unique idea to do this. And maybe even someone who was a follower of his might've thought, hey, that's, that's a great idea. I, I heard that he always wanted to put it in nature. Why don't I take it upon myself to do sure. that? I'm not as skilled as he is, and maybe he wouldn't want to go all the way out in the desert and do this, but I'm going to make something that's similar to what McCracken would make, which is a monolith in the desert. And people wouldn't find it for four years afterwards, which seems like right up the alley of what he wanted. So not to be McCracken himself for it to be a similar project, which I, I tend to think pretty similar to what you're saying is that it's probably someone who wanted to do something like this, which is super interesting. And part of the appeal is the fact that they're not going to announce it and have everyone come see it. They're going to let people find it. And I can't imagine being that person right now and thinking, oh boy, they found the thing. And everyone's Here we go. Sitting back and doing like, oh, I'm part of the news now. Here's my art piece before these guys take it down. As far as um, me wrapping up what I think about it, like we said earlier, they dated the photo um, of it initially showing up in 2016, which means it, it's been around for a while. Uh, they reached out to multiple people to try to figure out who actually made it. Uh, the Utah Film Commission, which is one of the earliest ideas of what this could be from is some kind of film project much like the tree you talked about that was put up that looked like this tree never been here it looks like a dead tree it looks wild the explanation was it was part of a uh, film crew yes. put it up as a film right so they reached out to the utah film commission which is in charge of any uh film permits and building sites out in the public land they said they'd never been given a heads up about this they never give anyone else to go ahead so they have they know nothing about it as far as films taking place unless there was something that people were um yeah, not informing them about because Westworld was filmed in that area, um, mm -hmm. but they would so they would know that could have been part of it. But yeah, they would have known that. Um, when asked about uh, the object initially, I mean, obviously the public is clamoring <clears throat> here, and they went to the sheriff's office of uh, the San Juan County. They asked them if they're going to investigate who put it here or um, look into the people who took it down. Which, as you said, they one person at least has come out and said that he's one of the people who took it down. Uh, they responded to that inquiry with putting up a a fake most wanted poster with a depiction of what appear to be gray aliens as a picture. So there's the uh, old right here, Fred, to the public. Oh, he wants to look into it? It was aliens. Take that. They declined to start an investigation. They said, this is just tomfoolery. Who gives a crap what happened this way or the other? But much like a lot of things in the modern age and over time, public opinion will shift you into the idea and the more people clamoring for answers, it kind of lights a fire under your ass. And as, this, as of December 1st, looking into it, there is a ongoing investigation uh, as of who put this object up to get some answers of it and uh, to answer the public on why it was taken down or um, who took it down. So as far as I know right now, it's an ongoing investigation, which is interesting to me because it, it happened to start the investigation soon after it was taken down and around the same day as the Romanian monolith was taken down. So as far as I know here, we don't have anyone claiming to have built the object, mm -hmm. but Deputy Alan Freestone stated to the press uh, when questioned about the ongoing investigation, he said- In Romania or in US? This is the United States, Alan okay. Freestone. I didn't think Alan Freestone was a Romanian citizen, but I just wanted to double, just wanted to double check. Alan Freestone, yep. Romanian yep. native. Uh, he said, a quote, I know they have some leads, and that's all I'm saying right now. So it doesn't, I'm not. All right, Alan Freestone. 
approves anything one way or the other, but they seem to be pretty quiet about it. My guess would be they're going to sweep the whole thing under the rug. I'm not as interested in some people. I don't think they're, they're trying to hide the truth from us or anything like that. I think they're more no. likely trying to conserve police resources for things that actually matter rather than finding an art installation from four years ago. But it would still be interesting to at least get the answer of the person or group of people rather yeah. who were part of this. It'd be, it'd be nice to know. And, and I think it's interesting either way. It, it doesn't need to be a supernatural occurrence for this to be an interesting thing. And, and if anything, it proves that things that could be commonplace every day and could be accomplished can still be just this interesting and captivating for people all around the world, not just here in America. Yeah, totally. Um, and, and just to clarify to our viewers, um, uh, we don't think it was the CIA um, and it's not a cover-up. We don't That's kind of what so. Joe's saying, uh, just like our last episode about DB Cooper, which could have been that um, sure. we're not getting any vibes Mm -hmm. that this is a cover-up for anything crazy unless um the aliens said we're gonna put something wild there and make it look like the humans did it by riveting it together yeah that'd be a good alien move we'll do it like that'd a, be a good, solid move yeah yeah all right we're gonna do a, a terrible job at making something crazy and just but it is us but there's no way they're gonna know because if we them. do it the way that they do it which is like us basically building something uh from the cavemen times yeah um, yeah uh they're not gonna know sure so i mean we never really answer any questions to the uh the fullest on this show because we're not here just to tell you guys the answer to things we're here to speculate and posit our ideas so that's what we think about it i mean it's still up in the air like we said we could see in the future if any more of these monoliths pop up i tend to think it's more of a, an interesting uh social phenomenon than mm. anything supernatural but there's been no solid answers all around and it does bring up a lot of strange ideas about uh, monoliths in general and their their place in our culture so exactly and it's fun it keeps us intrigued um it's positive news in a world that has a lot of not good news absolutely um, and uh it, it's 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 just fun again the things that are unknown to us at this point in in human history are very few and if you throw a couple more curveballs in there like this it uh, definitely stimulates you for like a week. Um, and uh, and we're here to entertain you, whether you're in the bathroom, in the car, on the way to work, or uh, at work, or at the gym, or at your home gym, or in your basement, to make sure that we give you some some quality content to, to speculate about with us. Because as mentioned, we don't think we're the subject matter experts, but soon on this podcast, we're going to have a few of those guys. They're going to yeah. be on here. So we're going to pick their brain. We're going to pick their brain and uh, let you guys uh, listen in and uh, see what you think. The good question is Romania where Dracula's from? You'd see a monolith. It's aliens, man. It's fucking aliens. It's got to be. That's what monoliths are. Big metal monolith. I saw the movie. Mm -hmm. They're teaching us shit. Radioactivity, 